Hello from beautiful Lynchburg, Virginia, and my office here at Liberty University. Jake Schellenberger back with episode 10 of the Jake Shell Show. And a few housekeeping items before we get going. It'll be a short episode today. Uh, I want to bring to your attention a study uh, that I found yesterday and share some of my thoughts on research. But uh, before then, uh, quickly, jakeshell.com, his blog website, over 80 articles, 140,000 words. Now we've got we've got swimming, uh, life, uh, culture issues, other sports, strength training, personal productivity. Uh, there's a lot over there. Again, 80 plus articles, 140,000 words. Uh, if you want to check that out, everything from time management to the case for building homes with concrete versus wood. Uh, so there's a lot over there. Uh, so check it out, jakeshell.com. Twitter at Jake Shell, Instagram at jakeshell.com, all spelled out, uh, all one word spelled out. And then uh, you can find us on Facebook and uh, LinkedIn, pretty much all the social media uh, platforms. Uh, we have a, a Snapchat account, but I refuse to use it just out of principle. But uh, any social media, you can find us as well. And uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, uh, 99 cents a month is the, the lowest that Anchor allows uh, so if you wanted to support the podcast, you could do so on a monthly basis. And uh, certainly we appreciate that. We have quite a few supporters uh, already. So thank you uh, to those who are supporting the podcast. All right, that's it. Uh, housekeeping out of the way. Thoughts on research. Uh, my first thought is to use caution. Use caution when quoting, citing, evaluating, or referencing, referencing research. Uh, it's one of those where... As we know, uh, you can doctor a study and you can skew the numbers and you can basically uh, make, and I say this in scare quotes, research, say anything you want it to say. Uh, so use caution. You'll hear people trying to validate and argue their points with research and they'll talk about the studies and the research shows and it's so vague and ambiguous. Uh, use caution research. What does that mean? Who studied it? Uh, who funded it, right? What numbers did we use? What sample size? You know, all these different questions that you have to ask versus just taking research for granted. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, it's, it's a cognitive bias, it has to be. For whatever reason, we, as a society, we just, when somebody has a bunch of letters after their name, whether it's PhD or MS or CSCS or, you know, whatever it might be, uh, and the more the better, right? The more letters after your name, the better than whatever that person says, MD and, and so forth and what have you, whatever that person says tends to be gospel, right? And especially when they combine those letters with, quote, research, unquote, uh, what they say is, is gospel. And, oh boy, uh, I'm not a Luddite, and I, I don't, uh, you know, want to go back to the Middle Ages as far as progress and science and technology and research and so forth. But uh, I think there's a lot that we take hook, line, and sinker, and don't bother to think about what we're reading, why, who, how, what, who funded it, so on and so forth. Uh, so use caution, and and always use caution. Always dig a little bit deeper. Uh, you know, you hear some, some article or something on TV or 
you read something somewhere and, and you know this study shows that and whatever comes after that is gospel right uh, be cautious of that uh, second thought with research when debating someone uh, here's a challenge for you uh, to sharpen your own uh, cognitive thought processes never use but the research says in your argument and if you can debate someone without resorting to but the research says I think you're in a much stronger position uh, to win the debate and or uh, maybe move that person over to your side uh, here's what I mean by that uh, let us assume that the person you're debating or, or talking with, it might not even be a debate, but just you know someone that you're conversing with, right? Assume that, that while you have your own research, right? Assume that they have theirs as well. And assume that theirs, you know, their research comes from people with fancy letters after their names as well, and master's degrees and PhDs and MDs and everything else. And assume that they have research that speaks to their point. And you have research that speaks to your point. So if you start your argument or your rebuttal with, but the research says, ah, I think that's a slippery slope. I think you've already lost the debate simply because uh, your opponent can, can say, well, but this research, but my research, or but what about this study? And you could say that, well, perhaps somebody has to be right, but maybe not. Maybe it's dependent on uh, the n equals one, right? The ultimate research, which is to the level of the individual. Uh, so who knows? And there's a multitude of different examples I could give. You know, you look at diet. Uh, well, this research says this diet is the best, and this research says this diet is the best. And they might be conflicting diets, right? Well, this guy's a PhD, and that gal's a PhD and they've got, you know, sample sizes in the multiple thousands and everything else, well, who do you, who do you believe? Uh, well, uh, the truly enlightened might say, well, let's take a look at the individual. Let's take a look at a genetic test and a blood test and an epigenetic test and see what mom ate, see what dad ate, see what grandparents ate, you know, look at uh, ancestry, origin, and so forth. And they might make that decision of the perfect diet based on the individual epigenetics and the genome of that individual person. And that might be more, uh, more accurate than, you know, just some massive study that, you know, uh, we, we don't know much about it, right? Uh, so when debating, try to never use but the research says. Uh, I think that weakens your argument because your your opponent or that, again that person you're talking to will have research that proves their point. Uh, so, you know who wins in that one. Uh, and then when debating, uh, use logic and reason. Right? Use logic and reason. Uh, the tools that that we have to our to our own disposal are, are pretty good when used in a way that's rational and logical, right? So the brain is, is pretty darn good at figuring things out as long as we're not uh, cloaked in one of the uh, cognitive biases, right? So, you know, again, looking at diet, you know, you say, well, this research says and that research says, well, logic and reason might say, well, let's go to the, to the individual level and look at somebody's actual genome. Let's, let's sequence and let's see, let's do a blood test, right? Let's see if there's any food sensitivities or allergies or so on and so forth. And then, you know, that might be 
a more logical, rational way to look at diet to the individual level versus just making a large generalization across a large swath of a population. Um, you know, that seems more logical and rational to me than trying to take, you know, a, a big study or a meta-analysis of many studies and trying to assign that to the N equals 1 individual. Uh, it just seems more logical and rational. Uh, let me give you two examples. Uh, so again, use caution when reading and dealing with research and using research in everyday life. Uh, you know, obviously there there are some some areas where you know coaching specifically, and, and I'll get into two examples here. So I'm a swimming coach, my profession, and boy, we as coaches need to be super careful about research, right? Uh, there's a lot of areas in sport where there's conflicting research. And so who do you believe? What do you do? Uh, do you use logic, reason, expertise, anecdotal evidence, years of experience, results? You know, how do you choose what to do for practice each day? Do you base it on the research? Uh, well, if so, you've got a lot of other coaches that are getting excellent results doing things completely different. So what does it say about the research? I don't know. You know, maybe it goes back to the N equals 1. Uh, anyhow, okay, two examples. Uh, so music. <laughs> Read an interesting study here, and this is the one I referenced in the beginning of the podcast. Uh, this study, it, it's actually published ahead of print, so I'm not sure if I'm allowed to even talk about it uh, on a podcast. Uh, but it'll, it'll be out in the latest uh, Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research, uh, which I subscribe to. I do read the research, by the way. I'm, I'm not anti-research. I'm just, let's think about it a bit more than just reading a study and saying, okay, this is law, this is gospel. So the, the title of the study is, uh, it says, Listening to fast tempo music delays the onset of neuromuscular fatigue. Wow, okay, sounds good. And uh, you read through the abstract, you look at some of the data, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, this is the kind of stuff that, that is out there, right? And, and it'd be really easy for a journalist or somebody, you know, on a podcast like me to get a hold of this study and say, you know, X, Y, Z about A, B, C, and then for it to catch on and people to take it as gospel. So again, listening to fast tempo music delays the onset of neuromuscular fatigue. And some of you are probably saying, well, duh, you know, I knew that. Don't need a research study for that. Um, but here's what they did. So, and I'm not going to say who it was or where. Um, and it was a good study. I mean, I, I, I like where they're going. I like what they did. Uh, but just to show you what passes for research, and again, that's not to degrade uh, the, the study here. I mean, it's a good one. But just to give you an idea of what, what people are doing. So the study had uh, 10 10 college-aged men, right? And they put them through two strength training sessions that consisted of a leg extension, just, just a leg extension uh, on, on a machine, right? Just a, a leg extension. So 10 college-aged men on a leg extension machine, and there were, there were two sessions, right? And in one session, there was no music, and in the other session, they played music. So 10 men, college-aged, right? No music, music. And if, if your mind is blown, you're thinking, wow, 
you know, you're, you're telling me that you put 10 college guys in a weight room with no music and then with music and you found that they lifted heavier and longer and better and whatever else the study said when there was music on in the weight room. Good heavens, you needed a study for that? I mean, that's just one of those, wow, you know, my mind is blown uh, that we did research on this. Now, again, it was a good study and they got into, you know, looking at, at uh, you know, the, the actual neuromuscular system as far as uh, perceived output, heart rate, and, and just power output, and actually found that that regardless of the heart rate, uh, power output was better with music, which is pretty neat because it, it links to a connection not with, with the heart or, or the lungs. They measured VO2 max as well and, and some different things. Uh, not to get into the, the science too much, but the idea that the music uh, had no effect on heart rate uh, or uh, VO2 max, but, but specifically on the neuromuscular system. So it was a brain, nerves, musculoskeletal response, nothing uh, from the heart or lungs, uh, which I did think was interesting. And, and uh, you know, again, anybody who's been in a weight room and you put on some fast tempo music, uh, you, you know that instinctively, right? I mean, you're going to lift heavier weight, and that's a direct result of what's happening to your brain and your neuromuscular system. So it was good to see. Um, but yeah, the, the song, one of the songs they used was uh, Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. And so if you've ever seen Top Gun, or if you know the song, or you've seen the music video, I, I'd encourage you to, to look it up. Uh, if you're in a weight room and Danger Zone comes on and you've seen Top Gun, or, or you at least know the song, I mean, if you don't lift heavier weight, you probably don't have a pulse, right? I mean, that's one of those songs that, yeah, I'm going to lift heavy. My, my neuromuscular system's going to be primed for some heavy weight after listening to Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins. Good heavens, yes. Um, so, you know, just the idea that, that we had a research study for this. You know, and we had 10 college-aged men, and they had music or no music, and we're wondering if they're going to lift heavier weight when they had music. Oh, my word. Okay. Uh, so there's one example. And that's a no-duh, right? I mean, that's like, okay, we could have told you that. Uh, the second one, and this is, uh, you know, there are, there's, this is more of a meta-analysis. So vertical jump and hang clean. You'll find a lot of research, boatload of research that says, yes, vertical jump does uh, improve, or I should say hang clean does improve the vertical jump. And then you'll have a lot of research that says, no, uh, hang clean has no... Uh, effect on vertical jump. And so this is one where you really have to think about it logically, think critically. And, you know, you can, you can see it both ways, right? You can say, well, you know, it's, it's not specific to jumping enough that it would have any effect on a vertical jump as far as hang clean goes. Or you could say, well, it's, it's pretty specific. Nothing is ever perfect, perhaps. I shouldn't say nothing, but it's it's rare to be perfectly specific in terms of, of precise movement patterns and neuromuscular recruitment patterns when looking at the weight room and then looking at the actual athletic movement uh, not loaded, right? You could say that loading anything will have some type of small effect on those patterns of recruitment and or movement. But you could say, well, it, it might be close enough that, yes, it would affect it, 
you know, in a, in a positive way. And, and not just correlation, but causation, right? You could say that, yes, a hand clean will improve your vertical jump uh, performance. Uh, but that's one where there's a lot of people that are over here and a lot of people that are over here and they're saying, yes, it does, and no, it doesn't. And so who do you believe? And uh, in one of my latest blog articles, I went down through and I was, I was looking at the top three lifts or my, my top three lifts for sprint swimming. And I said, okay, I said, uh, you know, hang clean is one of my top three lifts. And I do believe that a hang clean uh, can improve vertical jump performance. Now, I, I'm not saying that it happens all the time and for everyone, but I do believe that hang clean training can improve vertical jump and not just correlation, but causation. I do believe you can actually improve someone's vertical jump uh, by training hang clean and variations thereof. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it works all the time for everyone. Again, you've got to go back to the N equals 1 as the ultimate study. You know, and, and maybe it works for someone and it doesn't work for someone else. And that doesn't mean that it's not the hang clean itself. It could be the individual. Right, uh, but there's a lot of people that are again on both sides, and so how do you, how do you figure that out logically? And I go through in the article, I go through a multi-step process of how I would figure that out, as far as okay, I'm looking at, at force production, I'm looking at force vectors, and and in the hang clean, I'm I'm jumping up, force down into the ground. I've got a triple extension of hip, knee, ankle, really, and and toes as well, so a quad extension there. I look at the vertical jump and I see the same uh, types of movements, uh, you know, same triple quad extension of hip, knee, ankle, toes. And I say, okay, if we're loading it here and then we're unloading it, uh, you look at the central nervous system, uh, you look at post-activation potentiation, just the idea that you're priming. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot more that I go into in the article. You can read that on jakeshaw.com, but just the idea that that there should be some type of logical progression that you can go through uh, in your head uh, while thinking about such things. And uh, I did that in the article and, and came to the conclusion that, well, you know, I can't, I can't prove this 100%, but when looking at the similarities between a hang clean and a vertical jump, looking at the extension of hip, knee, ankle, looking at the loading of the spine, you know, the vertical uh, downward forces, whether it be the weight and or the jump. And I just concluded that, yes, you know, probably more often than not, this is going to help me jump higher. Uh, that, and I combine that with anecdotal evidence and, and results over 14 years of coaching D1 athletes now, and I've seen people improve their vertical jump uh, with Olympic lifts. So, you know, again, it might not work for everyone, but I think, you know, in, in my situation specifically, I can safely say that, that yes, you know, this has a pretty good shot of working. Um, but I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't make the mistake of saying that this works all the time for everyone, right? I, I don't know that we can, we can take it that seriously. Uh, so to recap, research, use caution. Use caution, okay? Uh, just know that not everyone is ethical, not everyone is honest, and people can use research and they can doctor the numbers to say anything they want, anything they want. And people that just take research and take it as gospel without looking and digging a little bit deeper 
uh, run the risk of, of being fooled. Uh, so use caution. When debating, never use the line, but the research says. And to my previous point about ethics and honesty, uh, let's assume that uh, the person you're debating is going to have opposing research that says the same thing, right, or says something different. And so they're going to believe their points, and, and you're going to believe your points. And if you use, but the research says, you know, the person you're debating can say the same thing, but this research says. And so who wins in that regard? Uh, so try not to use the line, but the research says. Uh, try to use logic, reason, try to use... Uh, I don't want to say anecdotal evidence, but certainly results, you know, can go a long way. Uh, you know, let's take power towers and resisted swimming. Uh, there's some research that says it has no effect on sprint speed, and there's some research that says it does. Uh, and it just so happens that nearly every single program that's swimming fast in the U.S. today is using some form of resisted swim training, right? Now, that is not to say that you must do resisted swim training in order to swim fast. But if everybody's doing it, either they're all just happening to get lucky, right? Uh, or there might be something to it, right? And you wouldn't have to use research uh, to conclude that, yeah, you know, resisted uh, training in the pool might have an effect on sprint speed. Now, there is good research on both sides, really, and I'll admit that there's research on both sides. Uh, but, you know, who's swimming fast? Who's swimming really fast? What are they doing? What does logic and reason say? Uh, you could probably get to the answer that way as well and wouldn't have to rely on research, whether it's good or bad, one way or the other. Uh, and then I, I use the examples there of listening to fast tempo music, delaying the onset of neuromuscular fatigue, and the idea that, yeah, if you put on some Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins, you might lift more weight than if you didn't have any music at all. And that's the, that's the kind of thing that passes as research. And again, it's good. I'm, I'm not saying it's not you know, uh, significant and or worthwhile to read. And it was a good study. I enjoyed reading it. But, but again, just the idea that you're taking 10 college-aged men, right, and you, know, you have music and no music. Uh, you don't need a research study for that. I could, I could guarantee you, I'll bet the farm that they're going to lift more weight when they have music on versus not. Uh, so, you know, take research for what it is. Uh, dig a little bit deeper. Uh, and think, right? Use logic, reason. Uh, try not to speak in absolutes. You know, and that's, that's something that's hard to do. Uh, but try to never, ever, ever, ever say never, right? Never speak in absolutes. Uh, so, hope you enjoyed this one today. Research, and I use that in scare quotes, research, because you never know, right? Got to do your homework, got to think critically, got to think logically. If you're debating someone, please don't say, but the research says, because that person you're debating will say, but this research says, and you'll be stuck. Two immortals locked in an endless struggle, quoting research all day. Try to use logic and reason. Try to look at anecdotal and or results, evidence-based, uh, you know, what works in the real world, so to speak, versus what's in the lab, because uh, sometimes those two can be extremely different. Uh, so, hope you enjoyed this one again. Research, uh, try to use caution uh, when speaking and reading and, and looking through things as far as research goes. And uh, use your mind, right? Think. Use your own uh, talents and abilities. Uh, don't uh, 
uh, there's one thing to be said for humility, right? But humility is not so much about uh, rejecting your strengths as it is being honest about your weaknesses, right? So be humble, right? Show humility, but not so much with degrading your own strengths, more so being honest about your weaknesses. So use your head. You've got one, right? If you're drinking coffee, it'll be working much better. So think about the research before you just take it as is. Uh, at face value. So, hope you enjoyed this one again, Jake Shell uh, show. This is episode 10, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Have a Merry Christmas, by the way. Uh, we'll be back after the break with more. Uh, hope you have a, a again fantastic Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you.